35, but before we pray and read the text, I have a few things that I want to share with you, if I could. Um, the first is this, is that if you attend IPC, you're, no, you're like, John 6, we were just there, and that's true. We've been going through the book of John in the fall and the spring, uh, I guess we started in the spring, and we're going to pick back up after the summer. Um, but you can take any portion of Scripture, and you could preach it a hundred different ways, and so um, I'm excited to, to open up this text with you this morning as, as we can think together about how Jesus is the bread of life. The second thing that I want to share with you, and someone told me don't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, so I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable with you. Um, I'm doing something a little bit different today, and I kind of feel like, you know, I've been at IPC now for 11 years. I get to teach every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night to our students, and I love it. Um, but I kind of feel like when I walk into the pulpit, like, I'm a, like I've been called up from the minor leagues, and I'm pinch hitting, and it's like a critical moment. And so I say that to say this, I've always walked into the pulpit with a manuscript, and preachers oftentimes, they'll write out everything they want to say, and I've always walked in with everything that I wanted to say. And that's okay, but I feel like I don't connect well. And so I've ditched the manuscript this morning, and uh, if I bomb this morning, then let's just not talk about it, and we'll be back to normal next week. The last thing that I wanted to say is this. Uh, I've learned that I don't really like reading. Um, And some of the best books that I've read as I prepared for sermons is children's books. Uh, And I've got two books that I want to share with you. If you're looking for some summer reading, you don't have to have children. You don't have to have grandchildren. uh, You don't have to like children. The reason that I like these children's books is because the people who write really good children's books, they take things that are really complex and they make them very simple. And so here's, here's two freebies this morning. If they didn't get bought out at the bookstore um, after the 8.30 service, you can go and get them. But the Jesus Storybook Bible, most people are like, yeah, I've heard that. If you're a kid, your parents, you may be like 12 or 13, you're like, mom and dad, let's stop reading it. Um, but the other one is this. We just finished this one at our house. This is called Who is Jesus? 40 Pictures to Share with Your Family. This is a wonderful book, and you do not have to have kids or like kids to get a lot from it. So just, that was a freebie. So this morning, um, we are going to read um, John chapter 6, 25 through 35, and we're going to look at really various parts of John chapter 6 this morning, but we're not going to read it in full. Before we read God's word, let's together pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we come to you because, Jesus, you do indeed have the words of life. Lord, we long to hear from you in your word. Show us ourselves. Show us a clear picture of Jesus. We ask this and we pray this in his name. Amen. John chapter 6, verses 25 through 35. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus again said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, 
and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the word of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I love bread. I really love bread. I love mellow mushroom pizza crust. I love bread bowls from Panera, like just the big sour. Like I, don't, I like it without the soup. I just like the, the, the thing, the big ball. Um, I like homemade bread. Uh, during COVID, we got into making pizzas, and we still make pizzas about every single week. We make the dough. And we, I also experimented making everything bagels, and those were really good. Um, my son, Bennett, had asked all week for Chick-fil-A chicken minis, and we got some yesterday, and he said, this bread is so good. I love really good bread. I crave it. Can I tell you about the best bread that I ever ate? It actually was at a church on Communion Sunday, which may be surprising because most churches that you go to, the, the bread is not desirable. But this, the church that Ashley and I grew up in, it was a small church, small Presbyterian church, and there's a small sanctuary, and off the sanctuary, there's this little kitchen. And every Communion Sunday, someone would come, and they would break, bake bread in the oven. So you'd walk into the doors of the church, and the, you would just smell bread. And I remember this bread wasn't just, it didn't, it didn't just smell good, it tasted really good. I love bread. This morning, Jesus tells us that he is the bread of life and that he is the source of true delight. I really think that that's what Jesus is getting at when he says that he is the bread of, the, bread of life, that he is the source of true delight. In the words of Kate Hawks, she said this, that Jesus didn't come as the bread of life to fill our bellies. He came to fill our souls and to save us from our sins. The people who searched for him after his miracle where he fed the 5,000, they desired more bread, but Jesus wanted them to desire him. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the source of true delight. So the questions that I want us to think about this morning are are really plain and simple. Have you found Jesus? Or maybe the better question, has Jesus found you? His word is coming before you this morning. Have you called off the search? Do you know Jesus? Do you have him? Do you love him? Has he satisfied your deepest needs and your greatest desires? Is Jesus your source of true delight this morning? I think our problem is oftentimes we look to other people or other things hoping that they might give us true satisfaction and that they might meet our deepest needs. I think some of us may be in two camps. We've shown up this morning and we've heard the gospel. We've tasted Jesus. We've seen Jesus. We love Jesus. But the things of the world are competing with him. Some of us, we've been on the search for a long time. We've found over and over and over again that the things of the world continually come up short and that they don't meet our deepest desires. So whatever camp you're in this morning, Jesus has something for you to say. Uh, Jesus has something to say to you from his word this morning. We all know this, right? The things of the world don't deliver, that they only provide temporary and usually surprisingly short satisfaction. In the words of Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones, he sang it over and over again, I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. We know that, right? Maybe you watched the NBA Finals. I couldn't stomach watching Golden State play another game because uh, I just knew that Steph Curry was going to be dangling his mouth guard and just swishing threes. I couldn't watch it. Maybe you've watched someone win it all, right? Like the Tour de France just started and Tade Pogaccia is going to go for winning three in a row. Maybe you've watched the Super Bowl or the college you know, football championship game. Is it, it's always surprising that if you watch it to the end, usually the people who've been like banking on winning that, they almost look sad. Maybe, that, maybe that's just me, or maybe I've seen it wrong, but it almost looks like they're now on the top and it hasn't delivered, right? 
Being on top doesn't last long. Tangible things also don't deliver. We know that, right? I'm going to show you guys something. Someone saw this this morning. They said, what is that? This is an iPod Touch, and it was the very first one that ever came out. I got it on the day that it came to the stores, and I thought about it for a long time. I read about it. I saw pictures. I saw the leaks, and I was like, I want that thing, and I went and got it, and then it didn't, it, it, I mean, it was nice, but like, it didn't, like, I dropped it, like, I lost it, I found it, like, it didn't deliver. If you've ever been around a kid on Christmas, they may have wanted something for a long time. They get it, and it doesn't deliver. I remember Bennett, he's in here this morning. He, he liked, we, he got, he, he usually got great toys. And he would, lo- like, when he was a little kid, he loved two-liter bottles. He'd, like, play with these two-liter bottles. Like, you've got these nice, expensive toys. Um, but, you know, the things of the world, they don't deliver. Maybe you've reached the top and you know the feeling, right? The promotion that you've wanted, the summer job that you got, um, the new or the second house that's finally under contract. Um, that happened to us this past week, which was really exciting. Not the second house, just another house. Um, the big raise, right, being made partner. Isn't it surprising that these things that we've wanted for so long when we get them, they, quickly, they, they don't provide satisfaction for too long? I also don't think it's surprising that as you, as you look and you see some of the richest people in the world that have the most things, the most things of the world, they look like some of the most unhappy people that you could ever see. Most of them have made wrecks of their lives. I think it's also good to point out that none of those things that I just mentioned are bad things, right? It's what our hearts make of them. When we make things that are good things, ultimate things, and they take the place of Jesus, that's when they become a problem for us. They compete with Jesus and they take his place. I love that Jesus describes himself in very simple ways, that he calls himself the bread of life. And what he is saying to you this morning is that he can satisfy your deepest desires and your greatest needs. As he meets these desires and needs, and he meets these needs, desires and needs, not through the things of the world that he can offer us, because yes, as a Christian, you do receive many wonderful things, but he meets these desires and needs through giving us himself. He's the source of true delight, not, not the things that he can offer us or give us. All we need is found in the person of Christ. When we get Jesus, he becomes our everything, and we can endure anything. So really, as we break out into these two points that I want to think about for a minute, the the theme is this, that you're hungry and you're thirsty for something. The things of the world, they don't deliver. Jesus is the source of true delight. Who or what are you looking towards to meet the needs of your souls? Who or what are you craving this morning? Who or what are you banking on to give you true delight? Who or what are you putting your trust in to give your life meaning? Jesus is the one who quenches our spiritual thirst. He's the one that the true Christian daily craves and depends on. He's the one in whom the Christian is banking on all day, every day, through the joys, through the mundane, through the ordinary, through the routine, and through the sorrows. Jesus is our only hope in life and in death. So really briefly, what I want to do is I want to think about two main things this morning with you. The first is, is who is Jesus as the bread of life? Um, And the second is who or what is competing with Jesus? So first, who is Jesus as the bread of life? I think we see this in two different ways. Jesus meets our deepest needs, and Jesus daily satisfies our souls. So during COVID, I got into bikes. Not only, not only baking bread stuff, but I also got into bikes. And if you, uh, I didn't really realize this, but if, you, if there's something that you like and you look on YouTube, there's probably someone who's really awesome at talking about whatever you like. And I found this guy, 
and his, na- his, his handle on YouTube is called Old Shovel. And what he does is, is he looks for these bikes that are old and beaten up, and he doesn't pay a lot for them, and he takes them and he strips them all down, and he, um, and he cleans them, and he puts some new parts on them, and he uses them. The tagline at the end of every single one of his YouTube videos is, is look, for, look for new ways to give old things new life. Look for old ways to give new th- uh, look for new ways to give old things new life. He transforms these bikes. Maybe you've seen that show Extreme Home Makeover. I remember watching that as a kid with my parents. Extreme Home Makeover. And what would happen is there'd be this family. They'd apply to get on the show. They might have some needs or whatever. And someone would come, this this group would come and they'd send this family off to Disney Disneyland or Disney World in Florida or California. And they would work, like, hundreds of hundred people would be in this house at the same time, 24 hours a day. Like, they flipped a house in no time, which is crazy because there's been people in our neighborhood who've had their houses being renovated for, like, a whole year. Um, but they'd flip a house in seven days, 24 hours a day, all these people working on this house. And then the family would come back, and there'd be this giant bus. And if you've seen the show, there was this crazy guy. And he'd say, move that bus. And, they'd, and the family would look at it. And they'd see their house just completely transformed. Why do I tell you these stories about transformation? Because the gospel is is that if you are in Christ, you've been transformed into a new person. As the bread of life, Jesus has met your deepest needs. He's given you eternal life. He's made you into a new person. Look at these verses. In verse 27, in verse 40, in 47 and 48, in verse 54, Jesus talks about eternal life and how God's people have this gift of eternal life. In verse 27, this is what Jesus says, do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Verse 40, Jesus says this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Then verses 47 and 48, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. And then lastly, in verse 54, Jesus says this, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Life, life, life. Jesus has come to bring life to people who are spiritually dead. Jesus talks about this all the time. He talks about himself as the way, the truth, and the life. He t- he's, we, knew, we know John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. Jesus has the words of life. Jesus brings life with him. And Jesus never loses those that the Father gives him. Jesus, he talks about that in this passage. He talks about it later in John 10 when he's talking about how we're like the sheep that the Father has given him and he won't lose them. And all of this made me think about a song. I think it's an old Baptist song. And then some reformed person changed a line, which um, is great. This is what it says. All my life long, I had panted for a drink from some cool spring that I hoped would quench my burning, the burning of the thirst that I felt within. Hallelujah, he has found me, the one my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies all my longings. It's through his life that I now am saved. The Christian gets eternal life. That's who Jesus is. He comes to meet our deepest needs. Your sin is your biggest problem, and Jesus comes so that you may have life. And Jeremiah, the prophet, prophesied about how one day God would come and his people would get a new heart. They would be transformed. And Joel 2, which was from our assurance of pardon this morning, Joel talks about how one day God's spirit would come and would be poured out on his people. In Ephesians 2, Paul talks about how um, the Christian has passed from death to life. This is really exciting news. Christ has found you, and he's claimed you, and he's transformed you, and eternal life is yours. Lean into Jesus. 
You may have a simple testimony. You may have grown, grown up in the church and you may feel like nothing has changed, but the Bible says that if Jesus Christ has found you and you've received him as he is, then you are a new person. As you leave church this morning, and maybe you go to lunch or you go to Kroger or wherever you shop, you're going to walk around and you will see lots of spiritually dead people walking around Memphis today. That gives us, that, that's a challenge to us, right? Because God uses us to share his gospel with the world. Um, but he has changed you um, and he's changed me. As the bread of life, Jesus not only meets our deepest needs, but he also daily satisfies our souls. He's fixed our biggest problem, but he also comes to us where we're at today, and we can find satisfaction through a relationship with him. I'm really sorry, but Mick Jagger, he was wrong. Like, you can find satisfaction. You can get satisfaction today. You can have it now. Those who find Jesus and have their eyes open to who he truly is find daily satisfaction in him. Some of those, we know people like this, people who are struggling a great deal, enduring great hardships. So many things can be going wrong in their lives, but they have Jesus and they find satisfaction in him. Look at verses 33, 35, and 36, or 56. 33 says this, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And then in 56, Jesus says this, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. The reality this morning is that Jesus hasn't come only to, fix, to secure our eternal future. He's come to be with you and me today. Those, those verses are the here and the now. You can not, no longer hunger and no longer thirst because you have found that which meets your daily needs, Jesus Christ. Christianity isn't about living our best life after we die. And honestly, most of our description of heaven sound kind of boring and unexciting. But we can begin to experience new life in Christ right here and right now, today. The Christian should never expect that when they come to faith that all of the problems of this world will immediately disappear from their lives. The gift of Jesus is that he is with us through it all. No matter what storm may come, no matter what heights we may achieve, Jesus is ours and we are his. Jesus said this, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and you will find rest for your souls. For those of us who really know Jesus, who have a relationship with him, we know what it's like to have daily satisfaction in Jesus. So recap of point one, Jesus is the bread of life. He meets our deepest needs and he meets our daily desires. The second thing the second thing that I want us to think about is who or what is Jesus competing with in your life? Who or what is Jesus competing with in your life? We're going to do this um, by thinking about two questions that I think we oftentimes ask that are maybe um, skewed. What things of the world can I gain from Jesus? What things of the world can I gain from Jesus? I said before that the context of this passage was really important. I'm going to give you a quick snippet of what's happened. Essentially, this is what happened. The beginning of John 6, Jesus fed the 5,000. There's this huge group of people. There's miracle. Jesus feeds all these people. And what happens is, is that there is this group of people that want more bread from Jesus. They want to search for him. They saw what Jesus did, and they want to go and find him because they don't know where he went. Some, some of them may have been there. Some of them may have heard about it, but they go and they search for Jesus. And then they find Jesus, and Jesus tells them the motivation of their heart, 
which is fascinating. You see it in verses 26 and 27. This is what Jesus says to this group of people that found him as they were looking for him. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So, Uh, my wife and I, we grew up in Missouri. If you've ever been driving around the road and you saw a license plate, they used to say this. I don't know if it's still on there, but it says the show me state. And what I think that that, uh, what that's getting at is this. Have you ever like heard someone tell you something like incredible? You're like, I just don't believe it, right? I don't believe, I need to see it for myself. That's what's happening here. As these people, they saw Jesus, they're like, did we get it wrong? Did that really happen? Like, we're going to go and find him and see if he can do it again. Or maybe someone heard about it, and they're like, wow, I, someone can do that? I want to go see, I want to go get some of that bread. I want to go see Jesus. And what happens? Jesus says, you are not seeking me because, if you want, because you want me. You're seeking me for what I can give you, which is bread. There's something here, too, to just think about for a second. Maybe this is a rabbit trail. But do you know that seeing doesn't equate to believing? Do you know that seeing, like, I oftentimes think in my own Christian life when I struggle and have my doubts, I'm like, if I could have just seen Jesus, like, feed the 5,000, or if I could have seen him hanging on a cross, or if I could have seen him after his resurrection, well, then I would really believe and know that this isn't all phony and fake, right? Thomas, do you remember Thomas's interaction with Jesus after the resurrection? Thomas went and saw him, and, and Jesus showed him the, the scars on his hands and on his side, and do you remember what Jesus said to Thomas? He said, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Oftentimes, we we don't want Jesus to get Jesus. We want Jesus because of what he can give us. There's a really popular singer right now, and her name is Olivia Rodrigo, and maybe you've heard of her, but she has, like most popular artists, um, she has a breakup song, um, and this is how her breakup song goes. She says, well, good for you. I guess you moved on really easily. It's hard not to sing it. (laughs) I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to read it. Well, good for you. I guess you moved on really easily. You found a new girl, and it only took a couple weeks. Remember when you said that you wanted to give me the world? We oftentimes with people, we use people to get what we want, but we really don't want the people, right? We live in a very individualistic society where we see people as a way to get what we want from them. The blessings come from what others can give us and and what we can take from them, not from having the person for ourselves. I think sometimes we we do the same thing with Jesus. That when we come to Jesus, we want the world. We don't want him. We want the things that Jesus can give us, but we don't want Jesus. We want to self-select what we want to get from Jesus, but but oftentimes we don't want Jesus himself. Why Why do you think that is? This is why I think that is. I think it's I think it is because receiving Jesus himself would mean that the parts of ourselves that we know are in competition with Jesus would have to take on lesser importance in our lives, and most of us don't want to let go. I think oftentimes we want Jesus to give us the world, but we don't want to change the parts about ourselves or let go of the things that we have that we know are competing with him. And we'll talk about that in a second. But Christians don't separate the benefits that come from Christ from Christ himself. They're a package deal. You can't get eternal life without Jesus. You can't get real life now without Jesus. And Jesus doesn't promise you that if you have him, that your life will be easy. He does say this later in the book of John. Uh, He says this in John 16. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, 
you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. True delight comes not from getting things from Jesus, it's through Jesus being with us and having him. These people following Jesus around wanted what he could provide, but they didn't want him, and they certainly didn't believe in him. We want Jesus to give us the world, but what Jesus wants to do this morning is to tell us that he's given us himself. I think the second question that we ask, and this is going to be wrapping it up, the second question that we ask when we approach Jesus is this, what am I not willing to lose to gain Jesus? What am I not willing to lose to gain Jesus? Many, like I said, like like we said a minute ago, many people saw Jesus and they didn't believe. Many have heard Jesus speak today through his word and they fail to believe. Why is that? I think there's a lot of reasons, but today as we consider this passage, the main reason is that people are not willing to part with the things of the world to gain Jesus. Over and over and over again, Jesus in this passage in John 6 talks about how they failed to believe. In verse 36, this is what Jesus says, but I have said to you, but, but I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. And then in verse 64, Jesus says this, but there are some of you who do not believe. And then after that whole episode where Jesus in this chapter talks about how his disciples need to feed on him and drink his blood and eat his body, a bunch of people are like, you're crazy, we're out, we're leaving you. And then as Jesus is talking with, um, I guess, I think it's Peter, um, the disciples left, and, they, and Jesus said, are you going to go with them? And they said, where, where else do we go? You have the words of life. There are people who see, and they don't believe. There are people who hear, and they don't believe. And I think part of the reason is, is that we, they are not willing to let go of the things of the world to gain Jesus. I remember a man um, who achieved a lot. He had a great house, great life, great family. Um, he kind of climbed the corporate ladder, and he was asked to do something that no one would know about that was completely unethical. And you know what he did? He quit his job. He left. He's like, I'm not doing that. Why? He was willing to lose everything because he had Jesus. He was willing to suffer, willing to take whatever might come. The Lord provided. The Lord did great things in his life after that. But he was saying, I'm not going to hold on to this thing because Jesus is mine and I'm his. Jesus warns us not to store up treasures on earth where thieves break in and steal, but to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. He talks about that in Matthew, uh, Matthew 5 through 7. The disciples, right, they were willing to leave their lives, to leave it all on the shore, to go and to follow Jesus. He said, come and follow me. And they got up and they went. Jesus says um, in Mark 8, this, I'm going to read it because it's really good. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. We also are not willing to let go of the fact that we can't contribute anything. Do you know what happened in this passage? The people who found him said, what must we do to do the works of God? What must we do? to?" And Jesus says, you can't do anything. You need to believe in me and you need to receive me. And it was too much for people. It was too much for people. There was someone else who also asked that same question. And maybe you know the story of the rich young ruler that you can read about in Mark 10. But this man comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know what Jesus said to him? He said, go and follow some of the, the, he lists off a few of the Ten Commandments. Go and do a couple of these things. 
You know what the man said? He's like, I've done these things. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of laughable because um, he hasn't. Jesus could have called him an idiot and been like, you're, you're, just go away. But you know what the text says? Is that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And you know what he said? He said, go and sell everything that you have and come and follow me. You know how the story ended? He walked away sad. He walked, why is it? You might be tempted to think, well, Jesus was telling him to do something in order to gain eternal life. That's not true. Jesus was saying is, what are, what are you not willing to let go of in order to gain me? What are you not willing to let go of in order to gain me? The rich young ruler, he wanted to hold on to the things of the world. He didn't want Jesus. He didn't want to let go. I think we can summarize all of this by saying, what do you, what do you daydream about? What do you think about? What do you crave in the mornings when you wake up? What do you look at to satisfy your souls? What are you not willing to let go of in order to gain Jesus? You've seen, have you seen fast food commercials? I love fast, I love fast food. There's no shame. Um, I love McDonald's, love it all. Uh, and we, I haven't seen commercials in a while, but we recently got Hulu, so we see commercials all the time. It's almost annoying. But I saw a commercial last night for a quarter pounder from McDonald's, and uh, I was like, that looks so good. But we all know, we all know, what you see on the screen isn't what you get when you go to the store, right? You open up the thing from the store, and you're like, this does not look like that. The things of the world, they don't deliver. They really don't. In the words of Mick Jagger, he's had it all. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. We oftentimes look for the things of the world to meet our, to, to give us lasting satisfaction, lasting satisfaction and delight, but they don't deliver, and we all know it. The search ends today. You can find eternal and daily satisfaction in Jesus Christ. He's the bread of life, and he meets our needs. He fills our souls. He is with us, and he's for us, and he's with us to the end. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word once again. We're thankful that you continue to speak to us through it. Lord, we long for Jesus to be the one who is our source of true delight. Lord, help us to think about the things of the world that we are clinging to and be willing to let them go. Help us to receive Jesus not for the things that he can give us, but because of who he is and that we would receive him himself. Pray that you'd be with us as we go. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're going to sing hymn number 146, Break Thou the Bread of Life, stanzas one through three, and then we'll sing four after the uh, benediction.
Hear these words of Jesus as you go this morning. Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Dear friends, go and live as the new people of God who have been given the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ himself. Amen.